0: Hello, and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, lots of crime with Kaylin and Elena. But this week, we're really doing one crime Mm -hmm. because I still have the plague. I've been sick since before Halloween. Right. And at this point, I just want to die. And Kaylin doesn't know this, but, well, she can probably see because I took a shower one hour ago before she showed up just because I knew she was coming. And I did get dressed, but I didn't even put on a bra. So that's <laughs> that's where I'm at.
1: But like you're dying, so it's fine.
0: I am dying. And yeah, and I was telling Kaylin I had, you know, the most humiliating experience yesterday. I went to school foolishly thinking I could make it through the day. And by third hour, I was throwing up and I had to get a sub and I got out to my car and I was puking next to my car and that is not something you want to do and it was not fun and... It's been a rough, rough couple weeks.
1: But I've been there. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten sick at work, had to go home and like on the drive oh. home from work. Oh, I've done that. Pulling over mm-hmm. and like opening the door and like puking outside yep. the, the door. It's
0: horrible. It is.
1: It's not a good time. No,
0: no. So anyway, so this week I had, a, I actually had a case for last week, before we took our bye week right. I was all prepared for once, which never is so Never happens. Yes. <laughs> Kaylin can tell you. And then Kaylin had a really long case, so we're going to do one murder, mm-hmm. so I can just sit back and react with the little bit of energy that I have.
1: Right. So before we get into it, so I was watching TV the other day, and I heard the most... Okay, so maybe not like the most ridiculous, okay, but a very ridiculous thing. Very sad because someone dies, but, um, so on, which this was also a tidbit that I was going to put in last week's, but.
0: Is this like a a Darwin Award dies or? So
1: on Monday, November 4th, Mm -hmm. a 28 year old man in Maryland was, uh, pronounced dead after being stabbed. Over a Popeye's chicken sandwich. Gosh. I did see that too. Are you fucking kidding me? This <laughs> Over a sandwich. I don't even know what to say. Right, like who cares about a sandwich enough that to stab meant- somebody for it? It was a Popeyes. Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Yeah. Pa- <laughs> Could
0: you see if they work that into a new advertisement? Jesus.
1: Campaign? Good enough Ooh. to kill for. I was gonna say, you know,
0: <laughs> you got those the Klondike Bar commercials. What you know, would you what do would for you a do? Klondike? There you go. Yeah. So, Jesus. Yeah. That's but yeah. That's I pretty saw pretty cool.
1: that and I was yeah. like, what the. F- I know,
0: well, and like you said, you know there's so much more to it, you know what I'm saying, like if you knew the whole story, Well, so
1: from what I, because I had watched the news portion that they were telling about, and apparently, um, supposedly one of the people got like cut in line in front of the other person, and then they ran out of chicken sandwiches, so it was the last chicken sandwich, and... But someone got stabbed over it and died. That is just, yeah, that's insane. Ridiculous. Yeah,
0: that is insane. And then we had another fucking school shooting. We did. So let me just get my rage going right there. And?
1: Yes, okay, so the school shooting was, what, two days ago?
0: Yeah. And
1: then yesterday, did you hear about what happened in Boise yesterday? No. Fucking 13-year-old took a gun to school. No. Yes, in Boise, middle school, junior high. Junior high. Jesus. Yeah. Thirteen-year-old takes gun to school, Boise. Mm,
0: I don't like. I just I can't do this anymore.
1: Right. I just I didn't can't. read on what happened with the thirteen-year-old yeah. or why it had mm-hmm. happened, but yeah, yeah, Fucking I was bonkers. I,
0: yeah, I just I'm so just so done with it, you know. And and everybody wants to focus on one single issue about it, you know. And I was looking at so teachers went on strike in Chicago. And it was recently settled. And one of the things that they were demanding was more support staff. And so now they will have, like, a nurse in every school. They will Which have feel like social workers. Yeah, Idaho. No, we've never had nurses, no. ever. I've been teaching 31 years. Never had a nurse in any school I ever taught it. I mean, weird. the fact that we we have no support. Like, I can sit there and look at a kid and be like... I, and granted, I'm not, you know, I'm not trained well enough to diagnose, but you know when there's something wrong. Right. And I've been teaching long enough, you can kind of figure it out. You know what I'm saying? And I have nowhere to go. Right. There's nowhere for me to turn to and say, hey, can you help this kid? There's nothing. Stupid. Yeah. It's ridiculous.
1: <sighs>
0: so anyway, my rage is already at inferno levels and you said this was going
1: to be a case <laughs> to get me going. So Well, so I don't... Hmm. What case has made you the most angry that we've covered? Oh, God. That's a tough one.
0: I think the one that was overall just the most horrific for me was my Japan case. Okay. Because it was so drawn out. There were so many people. Do you know what I mean? Like the, The layers of horror to it were just so many now that's not to say a lot of them haven't really really you know because as you know you know anything with kids and things but that one in particular was just so callous there were so many people that never said anything and then actively participated and it was so incredibly senseless okay Um, so
1: this one will piss you off less than that
0: okay so i'll give you that much okay
1: um but it's fucked up. But there have been some good things that have come from this.
0: Okay. That's always a good thing to know.
1: So we're just going to jump right into All it. Right. That's not the page I'm supposed to be on. <laughs> so a lot of people who... I'm still so surprised that you don't know this case. By name at least. Yeah. You might know it once we start getting into it. But I feel like a lot of people who know a lot about true crime stuff, mm-hmm. this is a very well-known case, which mm-hmm. is another thing that we don't often do. Right, But since we started this, I knew immediately I was doing this. Okay. And I do have to say like, I'm kind
0: of embarrassed to admit this. I have not been listening to nearly as many true crime podcasts as I used to. Since we started this? Yeah. I don't either. No. I mean, I was at the beginning. I have to say, I'd say more just the last few months for me. And part of it is I felt like, especially at the beginning, that I was overly influenced by the delivery on some. I agree. And part of it is I don't want to know too many cases. Now. I agree.
1: I know is that weird? Yeah, but- that's. But I'm the same way. I stopped listening to a lot of podcasts because of that. Okay. Because I don't want I don't want to listen to a podcast and then be like, oh, I really love this case, and then make the exact same exact yeah yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm the same way, and I have also. Mm-hmm. Like, reverted back to not really. So, this is a very, this goes for a long period of time. Okay. But this starts on October 22nd, 1989. Okay. So, Patty and Jerry Wetterling, they are going to a dinner party. Mm -hmm. And it's the 80s, so, and they've got Uh two kids. At this time, they've got two kids. Three kids, I'm sorry.
0: Oh no, and I don't like the way you said that.
1: They left, like the note, like this is where we'll be, this is a phone number right. if anything happens, um, it's after dark, you're not going anywhere. And so at the house was Jacob Wetterling, his little brother, his best friend, and then their little sister. And how old are all of these children? So Jacob is 11, his little brother is 10, his friend is 11, and... I'm not sure on the exact age of the younger one, but young enough.
0: Okay. And again, you guys, I know you're sitting there going, what the hell? I was left alone at the age of 11 all the time. And if you really want to freak out, people hired me to babysit when I was 11 and 12. And I think I've mentioned that before on here, you know, which looking back, I go, what the hell? But (laughs) right. They were weird times, the seventies and eighties.
1: So their parents left a note with address, phone number. If anything happens, call us. If right. you need anything, call us. Well, they want to go. They want to go down the road to just a little store, and it was a Tom Thumb con- convenience store. And at first, they said uh, so. They called. They were like, "We're not just going to go down there. We'll call." get permission. Okay. So, so
0: they're good kids. These right. are good little sweet angel baby kids. Right. And, oh God.
1: So Jacob decides I'm going to have my little brother Trevor call because he's the youngest. He's, he's probably a charmer. Right. So Trevor calls and he talks to his mom and asks like, Hey, can we just run down the street? And this is only a few blocks away. Right. And it's basically a straight shot. And their mom was like, no, it's after dark. You're not going anywhere. And Trevor decides to be like, well, can I talk to dad? As most kids also do. Also
0: the classic kid move.
1: So he gets on the phone with his dad and he tells his dad like, hey, we just want to go rent a movie, get some snacks, come right back. Because his uh, Jacob's friend, Aaron, who was also 11, was staying the night at their house. Okay. This was a Sunday night, but there was no school the next day. Okay. So... His dad was like, all right, whatever, go ahead. Um, So they called their neighbor, who was, I believe she was 14, and asked her to come over and watch their, their little sister. Okay. So they got a babysitter. They yeah. are fairly responsible kids. Yeah, these kids are, are good the kids, a- right. right. And they, Aaron and Jacob are riding a bike. And Trevor, the younger one, is riding a scooter. They ride down to, the, um, to the, little sh- the Tom Thumb convenience store. They walk around, they rent a movie, they get some stacks, they head back. They left at about nine o'clock 9:30-ish. And well, no, I'm sorry, they left at about nine o'clock. And as they're on their way back, they are stopped. Okay. By a masked man who tells them to put their bikes in the scooter in the ditch that's right next to the road and to lay on their stomachs face down. And he then asks them each how old they are. He ends up groping Aaron, the 11 year old friend. He gropes him, he looks at his face, asks him how old he is. He tells him 11. Let's him lay back down. He then asks Trevor how old he is. He says 10. He lays back down. He asks Jacob, how old are you? He says 11. He then tells Trevor, run into the woods, don't look back, or I'll shoot you.
0: Okay, this does sound very familiar.
1: He then tells Aaron to run into the woods, don't look back, or I'll blow your head off. And so they both comply. And that is the last time anybody sees Jacob Jacob. Wetterling. This
0: does sound familiar.
1: So, he, Trevor, and Aaron end up getting back to the house Mm -hmm. and they tell the babysitter what happened immediately. She calls her dad, who then calls the cops. And then, after he calls the cops, he then has to call Jacob's parents. Hey, This is what happened. This is what I know. We called the cops already. You need to come home. Oh, my God. Well, the cops show up very quickly. They are there immediately. And they start searching. Right off the bat, start searching for Mm -hmm. him. And they don't find anything. The only thing that they find are some footprints, which is a little ways away. Mind you, they're kind of in the middle of nowhere. They're on a very...
0: Like a country kind of road. Right. There's no,
1: there's no like street lights. Mm -hmm. And so it's dark. The only really lights that you have are from like either people's porch lights that are very off and on. Right. um, Or, and the boys also were carrying flashlights because it was a dark night. Right. And eventually, once it got late enough, I think they, at about 3 a.m., the cops are like, we have to stop. We don't have any light. There's nothing we can do right now. We'll stop for the night, start up again in the morning. Well, during this, is all, while this is all happening, where it happened is at the end of kind of a driveway. You know how like, especially here, mm-hmm. we're especially more in the country, people's driveways Or like a quarter mile long, a half mile long, just a dirt road. Right. Well, this was at the end of somebody's driveway. Okay. Which was about a quarter mile long. And the man living at this house, his name was um, Dan Reiser, I believe is how you say his name. Okay. And he lived in this house with his parents. He was about 30 years old. He was a, a music teacher And when, first thing he notices is he ends up calling the cops. Uh His dog wakes him up because he's just barking. Mm -hmm. And so Dan gets up, looks around, tries to figure out what's going on. And at the end of his driveway, he can see flashlights. And that's about where they keep their wood pile. So he calls the cops and he, because he thinks he's clearly outnumbered with the amount of flashlights he sees versus just like him by himself, And because his parents were out of town at this point. Okay. So it was just him and his dog at the house. And he calls the cops and tells them like, hey, I'm pretty sure there's people out here trying to steal my wood. And he gives them the address and whatnot. And they tell him, actually, no, there was a boy abducted. Those are the police investigating. So he ends up going down there and talking to the cops. Good for him. And, hmm, well. Oh, oh. It's not going where you think it's going. Oh, God. So he talks to the cops and he tells them, like, earlier I did see a car use my driveway to turn around. And so he, since it is so far from his house, he didn't really get a description. Right. And it was dark. Right. And that is where they get the tire treads. And the footprints. Okay. Now, they are able to tell with the treads of the tires that the tires are almost brand new. Okay. And that's about all they have. And that's about all they get for a while. <sighs> and it takes...
0: Oh, God. It takes a long a lot. forever. Yeah. So these poor parents are in hell forever.
1: Yes. But his parents are strong people. And they are very, I don't even know the word to use. Stoic, maybe? Yes. So on, he dis, he ends up abducted on October 22nd at about 9.15. And on October 27th is when the police uh, release the first sketch of okay. the man. Which
0: I Because the other two
1: boys saw, although he had a mask on. He had a mask on. So- Damn it. Right, and I listened to a couple of clips from these little boys talking about what had happened. Mm-hmm. And so sad, first of all. But they end up releasing a sketch, which really doesn't make a lot of
0: right. sense.
1: But it isn't, we kind of, it kind of goes cold. Of course. For a long time. Do they ever find Jacob. I'm not there okay. yet. Okay,
0: I know, but you know how <laughs> this is killing me. I do.
1: Because I sit here and I'm just
0: thinking, those parents, if we just had said no. If we just... You know what? I, I can't... I mean, Jesus. Right.
1: I just... And... uh I... Because, you know, you hear about it a lot, especially with kids who go missing or end, or ultimately end up dead the parents normally end up blaming each other and there's right. normally a divorce. A divorce yeah. Very
0: often when there's right. a loss of a child. Um,
1: These two never got divorced. They stayed Good. strong. It was, they, yeah. Heroic. Right. So in 2003, a man comes Jesus. forward saying that he drove past, that he was listening to a radio, his police scanner, and he heard what had happened. So he drove past uh-huh. and he could see the bikes still in the ditch. <laughs>
0: But he doesn't say this until 2003 and this happened
1: in 1989? No. He went to the cops that night. Oh. And he asked them like, hey, did you guys know that there's like bikes and stuff in the ditch? And they were like, yeah. And they kind of just like pushed him off. Like what he was saying wasn't really important. Like they already had what they needed. They didn't need anything from him. They didn't take a name. They didn't take a phone number. Nothing. They were just like, yeah, we got it. And sent him on his way. Well, and then he ends up talking to. Um, I don't know. He was talking to somebody else who was involved in the criminal justice system in some way, shape, or form. I don't really. I didn't dig too far deep into that hole. Okay. Um, but they. He ends up going back to the cops okay. in 2003. And he's like, hey, this happened. Mm-hmm. And so now. In 2003, the police end up concluding that this man mm-hmm. and him driving by the site was the cause of the tread marks, the tire treads. Okay. So they, and that's all you really hear about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now we're going to jump back a little bit. Okay. Now, nine months before Jacob was abducted. Okay. So, that would
0: have been, like, January, February of 89.
1: Right. A 12-year-old boy named Jared, which I didn't get his last name. I didn't... I got it. I just didn't write it down. Okay. But his 12-year-old named Jared, he was taken in a very similar fashion. Okay. He was taken off the side of the road. He was sexually assaulted. But then he was let go. Okay. And he during the or i guess after the assault but before he was let go his assailant was very he asked him a bunch of times can you recognize me okay do you know who i am uh huh can you give the police any information about me and smartly smartly is that a word yeah i oh, guess okay. sure for our, well yeah very smart of this kid. Mm-hmm. He says no to everything. Good. I don't know who you are. I can't. Ma- I couldn't mm-hmm. pick you out in the lineup. I don't know anything about you. I don't know what you look like. Nothing. Smart kid. Smart kid. Well, he gets let go. And as soon as he got home, he told his parents what happened. And he and his dad drove around to try to find this dude. And then they went to the cops. Good job. Well, it, they ended up... Right after, not so long after Jacob went missing, Mm -hmm. he and his family, Jared and his family move away. Okay. I mean, so mostly because...
0: They probably just want a new start. You don't want to stay somewhere where something this horrific happened to your kid. Well, not only
1: that, but the police were still coming to him because of how similar these cases cases were. were. So the police are coming to him and... Now, if that if word gets out of that, who he's knows if danger. the guy is going to come back? So he yeah. and his family move and they kind of are off the charts for a while, okay. But in 2003 2004, Jared comes back, okay, and he starts talking to the public and he's like, Hey, remember this happened to me before it happened to him, right? And if it happened to me, it happened to others, it,
0: good for Jared, yeah, right.
1: And so he starts like talking to the media and he's telling people if this if anything similar to this happened to you come, come talk forward. to us yeah let's get a case going right let's good. try to help figure out i mean who good did this. for
0: him because
1: i think especially
0: as an adult at which he was at this right. point you know you would maybe just feel like okay this happened all these years ago i've gone on we moved i'm living my life
1: Jared's a fucking hero right So, he was able to give a description of the man who assaulted him. Uh Uh-huh. And he was able to give a description of the man, the car, and he was able to tell them that this man had a police scanner in his car.
0: Okay.
1: So, we will come back to Jared a little later, because he will come back into this. I figured. So, we're then going to jump ahead a little further okay we're going to jump to 2009 man this time i mean so there's a psychiatrist who is treating a man named vernon seats and this this uh the therapist psychologist what did i just psychiatrist i think so yeah words so the psychiatrist ends up saying that vernon seats Told her that he killed two boys in 1958 and 1959. 58 and 59? 58 and 59.
0: So this guy was old by then? 62.
1: He was 62 years old in 2009. Okay. He was a barber and he told his psychiatrist. I want to confess. I want to go to the cops. I want to come clean about this. Okay. And so the psychiatrist went to the cops. Hey, I have this patient. He says this. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, by time the cops were able to get to him to get a confession from him, he died of natural causes. God damn it. Well, it's weird because this man, Vernon Seats. He has a strange connection to this Jacob Wetterling case. Okay. Although, okay,
0: so I just did some math here because that, you told me that he killed a kid back in 59, eight and 59. He would have been He went 14? like 11, yeah, oh, or, he, well, 12. if he was 62 in 2009, mm-hmm. he was born in 1947. Okay. So 1958, he would have been 11.
1: Right, 11, 12, and he killed two boys back. Holy. Sh- okay. Keep going. So. Oh my God. Not long after Jacob was abducted. And we see this a lot more in older cases than newer cases. And especially with missing children. Right. Psychics coming out of the woodworks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Vernon Seats drove 400 miles to go meet Patty Wetterling after Jacob was killed. Or after he was abducted. I'm sorry.
0: But we know he was killed. Claiming
1: to be a psychic. And he took a photo of Jacob that he drew. Took it to her. And then goes back to his life. Nothing happens. And we don't hear anything about him until 2009. When he's like, I killed two kids in 58 and 59. I want to confess. And then he died. And then he dies. Well... They end up searching his home, the police do, because at this point they have a psychiatrist who's been like, he confessed to two murders right? and now he's dead. We're going to search his Mm -hmm. house. I have a list of the things that they found in his house and it's, it's a little extensive. So bear with me for a moment.
0: It's going to be horrific too.
1: So, they found news articles, magazine clippings, everything of that of missing children.
0: Of course. Found...
1: They found missing, children, uh, missing persons photos. Um, the posters of missing people. One of them being Jacob Wetterling. Mm-hmm.
0: How many of these was he responsible for?
1: I'm not there yet. They found <sighs> kids' shoes, which had been DNA tested. They found books on cannibalism. They found a small round bone, which was also later DNA tested. They found chunks of brown hair, chunks of black hair, chunks of blonde hair, and they were all human. They found rings and necklaces. Mind you, 16- How many kids did this fucking monster hurt? They found a flesh-colored candle with a catheter attached to it, which is a very strange fucking weird thing. I don't know. They found bondage straps and chains hanging from the rafters in his home. They found handcuffs, a box full of negatives, which were eventually developed. Of course. Um, the, they found pictures of unknown children, pictures of a young boy holding a fish that was dated July of 1958. I'm sorry, July of 1959. Okay. There was an Illinois road map with two locations on it circled. There was a map of a park n- that was near Jacob's abduction. There were photos, paintings, and drawings of kids being sexually tortured. There was a no novel- Now, did he live in the same town in Minnesota as oh, Jacob? Oh, no. He lived in Wisconsin.
0: Okay.
1: He lived in a... Yeah.
0: So, we've got like a tri-state thing going on because Jacob Wetterling's from Minnesota, Minnesota, as is Jared. Correct. And then this... Monster is in Wisconsin, Wisconsin. and then we also have locations in in Illinois. Illinois.
1: Yes. Oh God. They found a novel that Vernon Seats himself had written called *Innocent Rage*, which nobody really knows. I don't. I don't think it's ever been like published. I'm sure. Right. Um, There was a 38 caliber gun. Some. Now, I said that there were news articles and paper clippings of missing children. Of these missing children, I meant to do a little more research on it, but I ran out of time. There was Sandy Bertalis. She was not a child. She was in her 20s. That is a cold case. She's never been found. 12-year-old Cora Jones. This case was solved. And her, um, her assailant was put in jail.
0: Are we sure yes. that it was righteous? Okay. Yes.
1: Five-year-old Michael Donahue, cold case; his body's never been found. And five-year-old Melissa Breen, I believe is how you pronounce her mm-hmm. last name. That was solved, but they never found her body. And these are all in various different places. Okay. I didn't put down the locations, but they are all kind of spread out. So
0: he's just collecting, yeah. And because it, it's odd to me that we've got children of both genders, you Correct. know, because usually child murderers focus on one or the other. Cut. Not always, but
1: now they also noticed that there was fresh concrete poured in his basement. And mm. there was also a spot out in his backyard that you could that was noticeably a fresh mound of soil and they tore the concrete up, they dug in his backyard and they found absolutely nothing. Of course. And they have not been able to connect him to any missing person. Okay. So they're pretty sure that he for sure had some sort of thing for kids, clearly, Mm -hmm. but they could not have, they had zero evidence of him actually committing physical crimes against these children. He had the child porn, which is a crime in and of itself, but of actually physically harming a child they have zero proof of okay now we talked about dan riser he was the one who lived right next yes and and called the
0: cops because they thought they were stealing his wood
1: correct now we're gonna go back to him because we're gonna in about at about 2010 ish police decide he's gonna be their number one suspect Okay. Because of his location. Okay. That's it. That's all they had on the man was that he lived right next to where he at first, Jacob was taken. Because at first,
0: to be honest with you, I was a little, sus- you know, when you start talking about mm-hmm. him, I was like, oh, there's going to be something here. But who calls the cops the night of a crime that you committed and is like, hey, somebody's stealing my wood pile, Like... Right, Do you know and what I mean. He you... said that yeah. too.
1: He was like, "You really think I'm going to call the cops if I just like took this kid?" Mm-hmm. And at one point, whether it be the cops or the media or people around town, they were like, "Well, wouldn't that be what somebody does to cover their right. ass?" Right, and I
0: could see that too. But no.
1: So they decide he's going to be our number one suspect. Oh, this now, man. this farm that he lived on was big. It was about 25, 26 acres. Okay. So it was a big place. Well, yeah, that's a large, like... Land. Land. I mean, for
0: a... But that's not a large farm by any means. Well, no, but it's... It's a lot 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 of land to search. Let's say that.
1: And he did everything right. He... You know how normally in cases like this, when they find somebody and they're like, you're our suspect? Right. Immediately... If they lawyer up, they're like, No, I'm not saying anything. Exactly. Normally people take that as an admission of guilt.
0: Exactly. Yeah. He
1: never got a lawyer.
0: Okay. I would get a lawyer, but I'd still talk.
1: Right. And that's a smart thing to do if you're being wrongfully accused mm-hmm. of something, get a lawyer. Yeah. If you're got anything going on with the law, get a yeah. lawyer. But he didn't. He never got a lawyer. And when in 2010, when he became their prime suspect, it was very public. Okay. Very publicly, the cops were like, this This is is who we're looking at. But he did everything he could have. He complied with every test. He took a polygraph test. He um, let them search his home. He let them search his car. He let them search his farm. He did a DNA test. He even went as far as to letting them hypnotize him and question him while being hypnotized. Wow. Yeah. He did everything. Because he had nothing to hide and he knew it. Right. They even had him, they set up a meeting between him and Jacob's mom to try to be like, to try to like make him feel guilty Guilty. and confess. And he ends up, while all of this is happening, he tells the cops, like, hey, these are, and he brings like a map of his farm Mm -hmm. and he tells them, these are some spots that, I'm kind of scared that somebody could have done something with. Right. Like, now that I'm so public, I'm like mm-hmm. in the public's eye, I'm scared that his re- real killer came on the farm and dumped his body right. and now I'm going to be framed mm-hmm. for it. And the police searched every single one of those spots and nothing. Nothing. And he's actually, as of 2016, is um, was filing a lawsuit against
0: the police department. The police
1: department. For wrongfully accusing Mm -hmm. him of all of this stuff. Now, in May of 2014, there was a uh, WCCO-TV put out a report that there were six unsolved sexual assaults on boys... And this was before Jacob Wetterling, and it was about 30 miles away, so still in the same vicinity. So when did they put out this report? In 2014. Oh,
0: so all of these other assaults happened before Jacob Wetterling. Right. Okay, okay.
1: But they were never connected. Okay. Well, they say six, and as they start digging, there was a specific blogger, and I should have written her name down because she did a lot of great things for a lot of people. She starts digging. There was a lot more than six. It started at three and then it went to five, six, seven, up to what she said was 12 and more of boys who were sexually assaulted around right before the time that Jacob had gone missing. And they're all very eerily similar. A masked man with a gun threatening to shoot them if if they look at him. It's sexual assault. They're all the same age, all boys, and he lets them all go.
0: Why didn't he let Jacob go?
1: We will get there. Mm. But a lot of these victims from the surrounding area that it it had happened with, they had gone to the cops. But even as in the 2014 report, when they start talking about it again... They start saying, we weren't taken seriously. Yeah, they took our reports. Some of the stuff that they had in our reports were wrong. And they never followed up with any of them. So
0: we have bad, bad police work once again. Yes. To get... Ir- and those ca- these are the cases that really do piss me off. Mm-hmm. When, you know, there's stuff that you can forgive to an extent. Like we've talked about, you know, in some of our older cases where the cops don't necessarily connect things, for instance. And again, at that time, a little bit more forgivable. You don't have the databases that we have today. It wasn't the norm, you know, to reach out and connect. People were much more territorial about their cases. Right. But this kind of shit where it's just lazy, there's no follow-up, you know what I mean? You just mm-hmm. are like, you
1: can tell, that. I don't know. It just, that does make me irate. So after Jacob went missing... Two of those victims were interviewed, but none of the rest of them. So, only two of the victims were interviewed after Jacob had gone missing.
0: Out of all these other kids.
1: Right. Which, again, why? Why? Even though every single one of their attacks were almost identical. Exactly.
0: Like, that's what's insane here. Right. It's not like you've got enough disparities where you could be like, oh, maybe they wanted to commit...
1: No. right okay and that's where we're leaving you to gosh place. dang it <laughs> I knew you're gonna
0: you're so evil
1: I actually wasn't gonna do it today. damn it you
0: something, but I know well, I was looking at the time going since this was gonna be our two-parter
1: yep so that's where I'm stopping this for now <laughs>
0: haha so I only have to wait a few minutes you guys have to wait three days that's
1: true what are your what are your guesses what do you think's going on here I am I honestly do you think it gets solved No. Okay.
0: I'm going to say no. Okay. I don't know, because you told me I'm going to be mad, and you know I get really mad when I don't get closure. I'm thinking the psychiatrist guy is a red herring, the one who confessed to his psychiatrist. He's just a red herring. And he's just a freak show who liked to insinuate himself into these cases. Not that he probably didn't do a lot of really hellacious shit, including murdering the boys he said he did.
1: Well, so... I didn't really go into this very much, but I can. So the two boys that he claims to have killed, they end up looking into it. They can't find anybody that would have fit the... Because his story, which I told you he was a barber. Right. Which makes the hair in his house a little more mm-hmm. creepy because is he taking the hair from the barber shop that he like cuts these kids' yeah. hair with and is like, ooh, treasure. Yeah. Weird. But anyway, so apparently when he was about 11 or 12, he himself was kidnapped. He himself was abducted. And he was not the only little boy there. There was another one that apparently his abductor had forced him to kill. Oh, God. Correct. And then the second boy was supposedly this little boy in the picture holding the fish from 59 Uh because there was a little boy in the area who had gone missing in July from a campsite. Mm. But... Nobody can really validate any of these things. So nobody really knows if, like, if he made it up or if he, like, saw that this little boy went missing in 59 and was like, I'm going to make this shit up in my head or if he had something actually wrong with him or if he really was abducted. Yeah. But the first boy that supposedly was with him during all of this that he was forced to kill, they can't find anything on him. They don't know who he is. They can't find anybody who it would have been or could have been. So
0: it's just... A very frustrating thing as well.
1: Correct. But at first look, he looks like the fucking...
0: Yeah, but he's not. No. Okay.
1: So... So
0: we'll leave it hanging?
1: We'll leave it hanging for now. All right.
0: Hold on, listeners.
1: So if you have any suggestions, you can email us at stateofcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Yes.
0: And I do have to say my dear beloved stepdaughter, Abby sent us a good case when we return to California. So shout out to Abby. I'm going Sweet. to get on that one. So Sweet.
1: yeah. Um, which I guess kind of sucks for me. Cause you already took it. Yep. Um, that's okay. California is hard. There's so we, I feel like we might have to do a couple of episodes on. California oh, yeah. Because it's so big. Well, there's just
0: so many people. I mean, and, and right, so of course so you have crimes. a lot of craziness. Yeah. I
1: know there's at least one that I've been like, oh, I really want to do it. Okay. But it it's one of those where I'm like, do I really want to do it enough to make it my only California case? I gotcha. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you have any suggestions, you can email us at stateofcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just message our Facebook page. Um, and you can join our Facebook discussion group, which is always a little bit of fun. Yes. And always a little bit of angry. And yes. It's a little bit of everything. everything. Right. And you can follow our Instagram and our Twitter and... Is that everything? Oh, no, it's not. If you're listening on an Apple product. There you go. Make sure you go in and rate and review us because it helps us out a lot. And we appreciate that a ton. So, until Thursday, thanks for listening.
0: Bye-bye.